Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. everyone and welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscabing and I've got three hours worth of some great sports talk this morning. Got a great list of guests this morning. First up at 7.30 we'll have Zach Cohen from Blythewood. Blythewood right-hander and infielder coming on talking about his commitment, talking about how their season ended all of that good stuff. At 8, we'll have Lou Bezak from the state coming on, talking about all the things going on uh, throughout the state. And at 8.30, a special guest talking about some big news that came out last week. Didn't get a chance to uh, have a show last week, but we will have him on this morning talking about the new shot clock potential, and that is John Combs from the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association. So it should be a great uh, conversation with him uh, and and a great time this morning. And we're going to kick it off right now, talk about uh, some high school sports. Big news, or big talking 
the the big discussion right now is obviously the SEHSL baseball playoffs that started last week. Uh, didn't give you didn't get a chance to give you guys my uh, full preview playoffs last week, but now I'll give you my rundown of what I thought of this past week and what I think of some of the games coming up both tonight and moving into the rest of the week as we are just about done with uh, the 2020-2021 season for baseball and the overall uh, high school sports season this year, which I think we can all agree, uh, and I may try to do a recap of the entire season at some point, although throughout the month of June, there will be no show as a result of me calling uh, calling games for the Beach Collegiate Baseball League here in Myrtle Beach. Uh, those games occur during the morning, so no shows throughout the month of March or throughout the month of June, rather. And thus, we will uh, have one more show next week, and then take a month hiatus, and then uh, we'll come back strong have a full preview for football season raring to go come July. But right now, talking about baseball, talking about uh, the end of the 2020-2021 season, which I think everyone can agree with, it has been the craziest year. Uh, Obviously, you know, not only of people's lives, uh in in terms of everything that has happened in 2020 uh with the with the pandemic and all of that but in terms of sports as well the uncertainty of whether or not you were going to play a game and and even though we didn't really hear about it obviously we heard a lot about it during football season uh a lot of postponements as a result of covid during the football season uh, a lot of, you know, while it started off slow for basketball season, definitely impacted basketball season in a lot of ways with that spike in December. But baseball, we didn't really hear much about it at all until uh, until recently. I don't even really know if there were any cancellations during the season. Uh, but there have been some teams, most notably Hartsville, here uh, on the Grand Grand Slash PD. Uh, Hartsville, after beating North Myrtle Beach again, swept Myrtle Beach, or swept North North Myrtle during the regular season and then proceeded to beat them in the playoffs. They had to forfeit feel for them, that's for sure. Uh, But before we get to that, let's look at Class 5A. We'll start in the upstate, and you know, Hillcrest has been one of the best teams in the in the state all year, and they have not surprised anyone by making it all the way to the uh, to that district final. Hillcrest uh, Burns was able to beat Boiling Springs in the in the first game, which was a bit of a surprise. But then Boiling Springs uh, got their revenge, uh, you know, turned it right back around and utterly dominated 
Burns on Wednesday, beating them nine nothing. So now it's a matchup between Hillcrest and Boiling Springs for the uh, for that district for the district one for the district one title tomorrow night. And I I think you know Boiling Springs has been playing good, but I think Hillcrest they've just been dominating. And not to mention Boiling Springs has to win twice in order to move on. So I I think Hillcrest is going to win that one. Down in going to Region Two, Dorman has been dominant, uh, being Nathan Ford in the first round, then being JL Mann to get to the finals. Uh, Blythe, or excuse me, JL Mann was able to beat Blythewood. We'll talk about Blythewood in just a little bit. Kind of had a disappointing finish to their season. Uh, we'll definitely get. Um, get the thoughts of Zach Cohen in just a little bit on how their season ended a very disappointing way of ending the season lost to JL man in the first game, then lost to, well, beat, uh, but then lost to JL man again in, uh, in the next consulate or in the next, uh, uh, losers bracket game. And thus, JL Mann has another chance of uh, being Dorman. But you know, Dorman already beat them nine to three. I think I think Dorman's gonna win that one uh, tonight as well. Moving down to the lower state, uh, Dutch Fork has been utterly dominant. We'll talk about Dutch Fork and and their top star uh, on the fo- on the baseball field as well as on the football field. In just a little bit, because as we quickly approach the MLB draft, and, and I'm kind of disappointed I won't have an opportunity to potentially interview him, see, you know, try to get him to make a decision on the show, uh, but we'll certainly try to talk to him at some point in July. Will Taylor, he's, uh, you know, real quick since since I'm switching gears a little bit, uh, Will Taylor is being, you know, looked at, he's ranked 27th in the MLB draft top 200. He's projected to go in the first round. And, you know, a lot of times you don't necessarily have a pitch, you know, you don't necessarily have a player like this that's good at sports, you know, you, I'll, I'll compare it to, you know, a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray who was highly tied for baseball as well, coming out of high school, coming out of college and getting those, you know, getting first round looks. Now, not so much out of high school, but Will Taylor's going to have a very tough decision. You know, do you go, do you go pro? And And this is one of those decisions that you always talk about uh, when it comes to dual sport athletes when it comes, you know, who are baseball and football players. What's the better choice? The, the certainty of knowing, okay, I go to college, I'm good enough to, I'm definitely good enough to make it to the NFL. Uh, and if I make it to the NFL, 
I will, you know, I'll get paid? Or is it that potential of if I go to baseball, yes, I'm going to have to rise through the ranks, but I can get paid even more in baseball. Now, obviously, other things play a factor. You know, love of the game, all of that. But you have to imagine for an athlete of that caliber, money is going to play a factor. So I'm going to ask Lou Bejek when he's up on at or at o'clock, uh, what he thinks, what the consensus right now. Obviously, they're still in the thick of the playoffs. Uh, he's focused right now on winning a state championship uh, in baseball as well. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But that is one of the big storylines in the state of South Carolina as we head into the summer. Uh, but yeah, Dutch Fork has been utterly dominant. Beat both, won both of their uh, first two, won both of their um, their two games thus far by a margin of 10 each time. Beat Ashley Ridge 11-1 and then beat Berkeley 16-6. to uh, Berkeley's going to have another opportunity. They were able to beat St. James, who beat Ashley Ridge uh, in the consolation bracket, uh, or in the loser's bracket, rather. Uh, so Berkeley's going to get another chance at Dutch Fork, but being able to beat Dutch Fork two times, you know, we talk about it, it it's bad enough in, in football. You know, you never know. You never know how a bat how a ball will bounce in a one game in in one game you know we talk about it all the time when it comes to basketball when it comes to March Madness but in a two game series yeah no chance that Berkeley is able to win twice at least not in my opinion so I'm, I'm taking Dutch Fork all the way there and then rounding out 5A, uh, rounding out 5A uh, division or District 4, uh, the you know the uh, the Grand Strand teams in 5A struggled this year. The the two Region 6 teams, St. James, you know they were able to make it to the uh, to the losers bracket semis, uh, but then got beat by Berkeley. Sakasti also lost in the first round, which was a surprise because they were a one seed. You know, and they were the home team and they get dominated by Wando. Uh Wando ends up losing to Somerville. Draw, you know, goes down to the losers bracket, but then again goes right back to Sakasti again and dominates them again, winning ten nothing. So I think I think Somerville, you have to say, are the favorites in this game against Wando, especially in a in a two game series. But at the same time, it's not like Wando dominated Somerville in the first round or in their first matchup. So that I think out of all of the matchups in region uh, in five A. 
that's definitely the one that I think is going to be the closest. Um, so that's that's the one to watch out of all of them. And then you know going into each you know going into the 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 mat you know the the semifinals and the finals. In the upstate, I I don't think anyone's going to be Dorman. I, I think Dorman is the team to beat uh, in the upstate, and then it's going to be you know I think it's going to be Dutch Fork coming out of the lower state, and I think Dutch Fork win wins another state championship in five A. So that that's my prediction for five A. Dropping down to four A. Uh, starting in the upstate, Lugoff Elgin pulled off a pretty big upset, being easily uh, in the first round, but then proceeded to lose to Lawrence. Uh, but Lugoff Elgin's gonna have a chance to redeem themselves. They were able to beat uh, easily in the losers bracket to move on to the uh, to the finals once again. Uh, so, but this, this is one that, you know, especially with the score, the, the game between Lugoff Elgin and Lawrence, Lawrence beat them 12 to four. So I don't, I, I think Lawrence will move on there. Uh, dropping down in district two, uh, York will be east side, uh, but get, but then got dominated by AC Flora. I mean, we've talked about it. Lou has mentioned it all season long. AC Flora is a team to beat in 4A. And they've shown it thus far, beating both Westside and York by 10 or more. York's going to get another opportunity, though. They were able to beat Eastside in the loser's bracket and move on uh, to the matchup tonight against AC Flora, but I, I think AC Flora just has too much. So I'm I'm going I'm definitely going with AC Flora there. Uh going down to the lower state, James Island has been very impressive, surprisingly impressive, at least to me. Uh especially with, you know, and and to be fair you know, no knock on Region Five and Region Seven, but and and maybe it's a little bit of a bias up here on the Grand Strand, but those regions, at least you know, looking at it on paper, just do not look like they have the type of athletes that can compete with Region Six. But James Island did against North Merrill Beach. Uh, you know, these were all close games, though, granted. You know, it was 3-1 against North Merrill Beach. They beat Airport 3-2. Uh, Airport beat Hartsville 10-9 in the first round. Hartsville beat North Merrill Beach 5-1 in the, in the loser's bracket. North Merrill Beach had a very disappointing end to their season. Uh, in a lot of ways, but you know, they're they're losing Billy Barlow, which is going to be a big blow. Cam Freeman still has some work uh, 
had a very rough outing against Hartsville uh, on on Wednesday, or excuse me, on Monday rather. Uh, but then you know, but then unfortunately, like I mentioned, Hartsville had a positive COVID test, and thus Airport moves on via forfeit. So Airport and James Island gonna have a rematch. Um, and, you know, James Island didn't destroy airport, but I think in, in a two game series, I, I think James Island probably pulls it out. Going down to the final district, district four, May River pulled off a huge upset beating South Florence three, two and South Florence was on a tear. They were dominating. You know, they they started off very slow this season, but then utter dominance for the last couple of weeks, last month of the season. And then they have a very disappointing end to their season. Lose to May River in the first round. They were able to beat North Augusta in the loser's bracket, but then lose to Buford. And so at May River dominated Buford nine two in the second round, but then now these two teams face off once again to determine who who makes it uh to the lower state. And I think I, I think May River probably has this one. That's my that's my prediction. But in five A with Dutch Fork, uh, you know I think Dorman has a chance of potentially being them, but I'm picking Dutch Fork as the odds-on favorite. In four A, at least to me, I don't see anyone beating AC Flora this year. It, I just don't. I think they're gonna ride in to a pretty easy state championship this season. Going down to 3A, you got uh, Daniel being mid-Carolina indecisively at that. Pretty uh, surprising win there. Powderville dominated Clinton, then beat Daniel pretty handily. They look to be a, uh, a strong contender. But Mid Carolina, you know, they they bounce back very quickly, beat beat Clinton six five, then got got their revenge on Daniel, beating them eight seven. And thus, you know, thus it's now a uh It's a matchup between Mid Carolina and Powdersville now for that district for District One. Uh, I think I don't know in this one. I think I'll probably I think I have to take Powdersville, but I think Mid Carolina is going to give them a run for their money. This is going to be a good game tonight. Uh. 
going down to District 2. Uh, Chapman beat Blue Ridge in a very entertaining game, 11-5. to 11 to 10. Uh, West Oak beat Fairfield Central. Blue Ridge uh, moved on back. Um, West Oak beat Chapman, which was a bit of a, uh upset there, although both of them were one seed. Uh, Blue Ridge was able to get their revenge on Chapman uh, in the in the losers bracket, and now Blue Ridge and West Oak face off for District Two. Um, I think I probably I have to t- I think I'll take West Oak just because of the two game series, but I I think you have to give Blue Ridge at least a fighting chance with how they've been playing. Going down to District 3, uh, Aner lost in the first round to Hanahan, 7 nothing, but then proceeded to bounce back, won 16-1 to Lakewood, and then 6-2 to Hanahan once again after they, Aner got their revenge on Hanahan uh, in the consolation bracket. Their win, uh, yes, or on uh, Wednesday. Uh, so Aner now faces Gilbert, who they beat Lakewood, and then Hanahan. This is going to be another interesting one. I don't know if any, it, it, you know, Gilbert was a two seed coming into this. So they they definitely, you know, they're on the, they're playing well. They're hot right now. But will they be able to do enough to, Get through, not sure. That's going to be another good game tonight. Lots of good games in 3A. Uh, then Strom Thurmond has been dominant in uh, in 3A, or in uh, District 4. Beat Marlboro County 5-2, beat Georgetown 6, or 8-3, and now they face off against Georgetown again, who was able to beat 4-2. Losers bracket, but with how well Strom Thurmond played on Monday, I don't think uh, I I don't think Georgetown has a chance. That's the one that I think it's pretty self evident who who's going to win that game. And then in five, in three A, honestly, I think the team to beat probably, in my opinion, right now is probably Strom Thurmond. That would be my pick for the state champion right now. So those are went through 5A, 4A, and 3A. We'll take a quick break because in just a few minutes, we'll have Zach Cohen from Blythewood coming on to talk about his season, talk about his commitment, and, uh, and just get his thoughts on a few things uh, this season. And we will, so we'll step aside right now, take a quick break, and then come right back, and we'll have Zach Cohen from Blythewood coming on right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, we've got Zach Cohen from Blythewood coming on right now. Zach, how's it going this morning? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. First off, congrats on your commitment to Wofford a couple of weeks ago. Walk us through your recruitment process and when you knew Wofford was the place for you. Um. So... The recruitment process actually started probably late last year for me, and Wofford was the very first school to reach out to me, and um, they they had been very diligent from the start about communicating with me, and they they were about the only school who actually communicated with me every week or so, and the week leading up to my commitment. I just felt like Wofford was home. I loved everything about it. The coaching staff was amazing. Um, I felt very, very uh, connected with the program, even not being in the program. Um, and I just, I just knew it was right for me and my family, and I felt like I couldn't pass up on the opportunity. Definitely sounds like they made you feel at home over at Wofford. Any uh, special moments, either with them or with another program, uh, from your uh, recruitment process that you'll always remember? Um, 
I'd say I say going on the visits, um, just experiencing all of that and being able to actually step on a college campus. I think that that was something I'll always remember. Uh, obviously, you had you know you had a much harder recruitment process than uh, you know kids in the past have with COVID and all of that. How hard was it? For not just you know last year, after only a couple of weeks, but then also having to try to do recruitment virtually and and all of that. How different was it than what you were expecting? Yeah, I mean it was it was definitely a lot harder because you know it was mainly sending videos to coaches and they weren't allowed to come see you, um, and I felt like it the the process would have been a lot easier, um, but I was still grateful because you only get to experience the opportunity once, and mm-hmm. I was still grateful I got to experience it. Um, and I think the coaches were still a- able to see what kind of play you are through videos, but it's definitely not the same as in person. But, um, but yeah. Look, looking at uh, this season, looking at your your junior year, you had a ver- you had a tough end to the season, losing the JL man twice uh, to get knocked out of the playoffs. What's your biggest takeaway from this season, and what's the one thing that you can work on the most going into your senior year? Um, biggest takeaway from this year is probably that how unexperienced we were. We were a very young team. Um, and we're getting a lot of a lot of players back. We're only losing only losing three starting seniors, um, so we'll have a lot of a lot more experience coming back next year. And I'm just looking forward to stepping back on the field and having that having that feeling we had a couple nights ago, losing on our home field, and taking that in next year to to try and get better. What? Whether it's on the field or off, what what's the one thing you're most looking forward to going into your final year of high school? Um, continuing to build those those special relationships with my teammates um, off the field, especially because um, we definitely we get to spend spend a lot of time outside of baseball, and I think some people take that for granted, and I know what we harp on in our program is um chemistry and having good relationships and so I'm 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 really looking forward to continuing to build those bonds with with my friends so do, do the coaches over at Blythewood have any fun things or fun you know fun activities or fun little things that you guys do to build that chemistry well we actually didn't do any this year but in the well, past you know we, we yeah, we've we've been we've been bowling before, we've been to the movies before, um, but none of that happened this year. Who, who I, I know you haven't had a chance to see some of the younger guys do it, but out of the guys that you have seen, who's the who's the best bowler on the team? <laughs> um, best bowler probably was a senior who graduated last year. His name was uh, Brady Beasley. He was actually a bowler at the high school. He was on the bowling team at the high school. So, oh, that that's an unfair advantage. That that's like bringing <laughs> a ringer for a game. Come on, that doesn't count. <laughs> exactly. Um, I know. 
obviously your your high school season this year is uh, over. Do you have any plans of what you're doing this summer, baseball wise? Yep, um, I'm playing with an organization called the Upstate Mavericks, and we are starting here in the next few weeks. I think we're, our first tournament is in the first week of June, um, so that's going to get rolling pretty soon here. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I'm playing with—I've been playing with them for the past couple summers now. I really enjoy it. What's the biggest difference? you think between playing high school ball and, and playing the, the summer leagues? Um, I think the biggest difference is the amount of play, the, the amount of competition and the different variety of players that you'll face because they're all from all over the country. And um, you get, you get to see the different the competition is definitely a lot better in the summer than in high school. Uh, not to say that high school competition isn't good, yeah. um, but I, I think summer summer baseball is is meant for individuals and trying to improve. And I think you definitely get a chance to do that with the the competition you face. Well, hope you enjoy your summer. Hope you uh, get some good moments and and are able to improve over the summer. And uh, good good luck heading into your senior season. Thanks for joining me this morning. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yep, thanks a lot for joining me, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Good luck good luck this summer. That was Zach yes, Cohen. That that was Zach Cohen from Blythewood joining me this morning. Uh, you know, always fun talking to these players, getting their insight on things. And, you know, especially after a, a disappointing end to the season. But, you know, like you mentioned, they're a young team. They're still growing. He's, he'll still be there next year. And Blythewood will still be there. Blythewood, you know, there are certain programs that are most known for certain sports. Blythewood, I would say, you know, while, yes, they're good in, in football and basketball, you know, a lot of the focal point over at is the baseball. So we'll, you know, it's it's going to be something to keep an eye on. They, But they have, a, they have a very tough road. Granted, like I mentioned, Will Taylor leaving Dutch Fork is going to help the rest of the teams in, in the lower state immensely. But still, Dutch Fork is Dutch Fork. They, you know, not so, you know, not as much in other sports as they do in football, but they find ways to win, no matter what. Uh, so, you know, that's that that that's just how things are in five A. That you just kind of grow to understand that that's that's the way the the world works uh, in five A. So. That was a fun interview. Um, now I'm gonna turn back. We'll we'll talk. We'll reset. We'll go into two A. Actually, you know what? Before we go to two A, because it's talking about two A is gonna segue into me talking to Lou Bajak perfectly, because two A has had a very tumultuous playoff thus far. So we'll go to one A. Let's talk about 1A, the playoffs, real quick there. Uh, 
Southside Christian, hey, for for all the talk about um, you know, them being, you know, them being too dominant for 1A and all of that, they lost in the first round to McBee. Now, granted, dominate the losers bracket being Great Falls and then, you know, giving uh McBee a little bit of revenge by utterly dominating them on Wednesday. And so they're in they're in the the they're in the hunt still. Uh but, you know, Ridge Spring Manetta beat Great Falls, then beat McBee. Uh, this is a tough one because obviously the Obviously, in these sorts of situations. Now, granted, it's not like it's you know, oh, you have to you know, best two out of three, you you have to win three games, or you have to win two games. Well, you do have to win two games no matter what. But it's you know, if if Southside Christian is able to win the first game, the second one is winner winner moves on. But while, especially with how they've played throughout the year in every sport, you can never discount discount Southside Christian. This is going to be a tough one because they have to win two games, whereas Rich Spring Minister just has to win one. I, this is going to be one of the most interesting matchups out of the district championships this week tonight. But I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think Southside Christian is able to win both games. I think they move on. If for no other reason, just to piss everyone off. Because a lot of people throughout the state have been talking about Southside Christian jumping on 1A and then proceeding to dominate everyone. And a lot of people are going to be calling for them to be moved back up to 2A in the next realignment. But they still have a whole nother year in 1A, at least. So I think they're just, just because to make everyone mad, they're going to win both of these games and move on. It, it is what it is. You know, you, you can't you can't control it. Um, going down to District Two, Louisville beat Dixie, uh, but Whitmire destroyed them. The two seed, Whitmire, you know, pulling off a little upset, being Wilson Elko pretty handily, dominating Louisville. Uh, and they face off, you know, Whitmire now faces off against Dixie, who dominated both Wilson Elko and Louisville, uh, getting a little bit of revenge on Louisville, winning both of those games 10 nothing. So this is going to be a pretty interesting one. Uh, but Whitmire has been on a tear. I think Whitmire win- wins this one. But, you know, a two-seed and an at-large bid 
making it all the way to the district finals. That's great to see. Now, granted, this year is very different. This year is very different. It's reduced playoffs. We're going back to the the normal system next year. So we'll see how this impacts things. But, yeah, I think Whitmire is able to win this one and move on. Going down to the lower state, uh, Clarendon has been dominant. Beat, beat Charleston Math and Science 10 nothing, then beat Green C. Floyd 6-1. Uh, Green C. Floyd, though, uh, were able to beat Branchville 13-2. They're still in the hunt. They face off against East Clarendon tonight. This one's going to be a tough one. I I think Green C. Floyd has a chance of of winning. I think they're going to win tonight. And and make it a a two game series, but I think, but I I I think um, I don't know. I'm definitely I'm definitely picking Green Sea Floyd's tonight, but whether or not they're able to win two games in a row. Especially since East Clarendon beat them already, that I'm not sure about. I think I have to go with East Clarendon on a whole to move on. Now going down to District Four, Bamberg Earhart uh, has been dominant. Well, not so much dominant. They dominated Carver's by 18-8, but then beat Lakeview by a more manageable number. Uh, Three nothing. They phase off against Bamberg Earhart again tonight, who was able to beat Low Country Leadership eleven uh, one in the losers bracket. But I think, or excuse me, uh, yeah, excuse me, yeah, no, late, uh, excuse me, Lakeview uh, was able to be was dominated Low Country Leadership twenty four to four, then beat Bamberg Earhart three nothing. Um. But Bamberg Earhart's back. Um, but I think Lakeview, I, I think Lakeview, they've already seen each other. I, I think Lakeview wins this game and moves on. Um, so, moving on to the the uh, state finals um, on the upper state. Again, like I said, I I think I think Southside Christian finds a way to win. And uh, and they move on the state championship, uh, and I think Lakeview is going to be the team that comes out of the lower state. And while I think Lakeview is going to put up a hell of a fight, I think Southside Christian wins yet another state championship. I know people are going to hate me for saying this. It is what it is. Moving on to two A, which has had a lot of controversy this week or over the past couple of weeks, and now they're just getting started uh, as a result. Of it. Um, and we'll we'll talk to Lou about it in just a little bit. Get his thoughts on everything. Uh, first round matchups. Crescent beat, or excuse me, Crest Church, uh, Crescent last night, 
or excuse me. Okay. In the upper state, they started playing. But in the lower state, they uh, they didn't do anything. So, in District 1, they, they've already played a few games. Um, and I'm guessing the one of the finals is tonight. Or, no, excuse me, they... Uh, they actually have some games to play. Um, all right. Um, but Crescent, or excuse me, Christchurch was able to beat Crescent, which was pretty surprising. Uh, the at-large team winning. Uh, Landrum beat batesburg Leesville. Uh, then Landrum was able to beat Christchurch. Uh, Crescent and Christchurch, I believe, played tonight. Uh, for the losers bracket, uh, semis. But I I think Landrum is gonna is gonna win this one out. Uh, going over to District Two. Great Collegiate has moved on uh to the second round. Um, this is the this is the crazy this is one of the crazy districts. Because Legion Collegiate, uh, they they self-reported. Well, suppo- originally said they self-reported, and then another school said, no, we we were actually the ones that originally reported it. Um, and so, hoopla, Legion Collegiate was originally going to be pushed down to the two seed. Uh and in the process, that would have pushed um, Buford playoffs. But now, instead, Legion Collegiate is still at one. Uh, Andrew Jackson's at two, and Buford's at three. Uh, Legion Collegiate faces off against Abbeville, uh, I believe, tonight. And we'll have to see what what happens there. Uh I think Legion Legion wins that one and if they do it sets up an interesting matchup because it sets up a matchup between two two of the collegiate schools. Um which a lot of people that's been a big controversy. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Legion moving on to their the school association. Uh, to play there, uh, they definitely would love to get a state championship to basically stick it to the SEHSL uh, to finish off their their tenure with uh, with the SEHSL. But we'll we'll see if it happens. Uh, and Chesney awaits the loser of that game. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I think I think Legion Collegiate will probably win this uh and I could see Gray and Legion matching up twice. So we'll see what happens there. Uh in in District three you got Andrew Jackson and Marion facing off. Uh I think Andrew Jackson probably wins that game. Although Marion will give them a good run for their money. 
Uh, Barnwell beat Woodland 11-4 already. I think out of this district, I'm thinking either Andrew Jackson or Marion come out of it on top. That's my prediction right now. Not sure which one of the two do. It will depend upon probably on who wins tonight. But that's an interesting match. That that's an interesting one right there. Uh, and then for District Four, Philip Simmons dominated Deso last night, ten nothing. Uh, Lada and Buford play tonight. I, I think Latta probably wins that game. But Buford, especially with how much they fought to get into this playoff, I could see them at least winning at least one game. That that's that's my thought on on the matter. Uh so there are your um and out of out of everyone in two A like I said, I, I think Legion Collegiate wins wins this one out somehow. Just just to stick it to uh just to stick it to everyone on their way out. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see if it happens. I don't know if it does or not. Certainly something that's possible uh to have happen. Um but so I will take a quick break and then we'll come right back, talk to Lou Bejack from the state. Uh and and then have a bunch of other things to talk about this morning. So be sure to stay tuned right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobay, and we've got, we're waiting on Lou Bejack from the state to call in, waiting on him. Uh, but in the meantime, go through a few other uh, notes this week uh, around the state. Uh, some big news coming out. Like I mentioned, uh, the one of the big uh, news stories this week. Uh, there's Lou. Lou, good morning. Morning, Brandon. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, starting off, we got baseball season uh, coming to a close. We're in the playoffs now, uh, with most of the playoffs being completed already. Uh, have there been any real surprises uh, thus far, in your opinion? <clears throat> yeah, a, cu- a couple. I mean, I think uh, two of the number one uh, teams uh, headed in the playoffs, ranked number one, are eliminated before the district championship game. Blythewood, number one in 5A, and they they lost the other night to Jail Man. And then the Hanahan, uh, they were number one in 3A, and they're already eliminated. So, yeah, I mean... I mean, those are a couple couple of surprises uh, for sure. It, it look in five A. It looks like Dutch Fork uh, is is the team to beat right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. As long as they hit like they are, they got they got one of their best pitchers back the other night. He pitched pr- pretty good for not pitching in over a month. Yeah, I, I think if um, I think if they they hit like they do and they get pretty much good starting pitching. I think they're going to be really tough to beat. They hit uh, four home runs last night. They offensively, they're, they're pretty solid at uh, one through nine. So uh, uh, the bottom of the order, as long as they get on base for that top, I mean, they, they are going to be uh, tough to beat uh, down the stretch. And then you mentioned three, a, a couple of upsets there. Who do you see as the favorite, the team to beat right now, uh, the rest of the way in three, a, I don't know. It's kind of, I mean, Gilbert's kind of been a surprise so far, making the district championship. Um, Strom Thurmond, they could play each other in the lower state championship. Upper state, I mean, it's kind of been a couple of surprises there too. So I don't think there really is a favorite in 3A. And then uh, Bishop England going down, I'm not making it to the, um, to, to at least the lower state uh, championship or even the district championship. Georgetown beat him the other night. Uh, to eliminate them. So, yeah, I think uh, I think 3A is uh, wide open. 4A, I think AC4 is definitely the favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure if any, anyone's going to beat them. 2A, I think, is wide open, especially in the upper state where uh, you have uh, Legion and Landrum and uh, Great Collegiate all, all, all still alive there. And obviously they're a little bit behind now because of the, the – uh, they had this – off for a little bit because yeah. of the uh, well, um, ineligible player from Legion, and then uh, had yeah, to let's, sort that out through the yeah. Yeah, let, let's talk about that right now. That this week has been consumed by that whole thing with the executive committee and then the appellate committee of what should happen with Region Three. Walk us through that whole process this week with Legion and why the appellate committee after the executive committee stuck with the original plan of moving collegiate down to the two seed, why the appellate collegiate or appellate uh, committee decided to move Legion back up to the one seed. 
I mean, they thought that just because the kid uh, didn't really have a bearing on their um, uh, season, I mean, they only threw 11 pitches, dressed in three games. They thought that was it wasn't it wasn't sense to make them forfeit those games. But I don't know if you stick with the rule. I mean, the region itself wanted it to that that way. I mean, they weren't going to punish Legion, but the executive committee. Uh, said uh, the stick with. I mean, when you got to forfeit games because of an eligible player, you you got to change the standings. But uh, the appellate panel uh, uh, saw it differently. Actually, there was a motion though to kick them out of the playoffs, but that got um, they they went in executive session and came out and just uh, <laughs> it would complicate things a little bit more. And I think they were worried about. I think there'd have been a lawsuit or there'd have been some sort of action if they would have been bounced out of the playoffs. So they decided to keep it with the region, well, what the region wanted to begin with in uh, uh, 2A playoffs resumed uh, last night. And Legion got a win, and they'll play great collegiate in a winner's bracket game on uh, actually tonight. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting because you had one team like Buford uh, that thought they were going to be in the playoffs, but then they were going to be out in this if, if they, they kept the ruling from the executive committee. But now uh, Buford's back in, and, they actually lost the ladder last night. So, um, yeah, so it was a crazy week and uh, kind of halted things a little bit. They might, uh, 2A might finish a little bit behind everyone else, but uh, they tried to keep it as scheduled as planned, though. Luke, can you hear me? Looks like we're still having some technical issues. We'll try this one more time and hopefully uh we'll be able to get this uh get this situated. It's not on my end. Uh just tested it myself, so we'll see uh We'll see if we can get him back on in just a second. But yeah, you know that that's something that's uh, kind of interesting to have to have happen um, for you know the ending of a season that you know has already had. You know, they they had to cancel last season because of COVID, so they didn't want to have something happen this year uh, as well. So let's try this one more time. Luke, you there? Yeah, man, I'm there. Okay, there we go. I think, yeah, there something must have happened on my end that uh, caused you not to be able to hear me, so uh called in through my phone. But, yeah, like, like we were talking about, you know, that's uh that's a, an interesting point uh what you mentioned about how uh how they um how you know they didn't want to worry about a potential of a lawsuit um yeah cuz i yeah i guess uh, Chesterville could have uh, had action but they obviously chose not to cuz the playoffs resumed last night and they're not going to be stopping now but yeah 
I think that was the biggest thing. If they would have kicked Legion out of the playoffs, I mean, some some people wouldn't have felt bad for that. But I mean, but you feel bad for the kids, no matter what you think of what goes on there at at the school and that. So we'll see what happens. And uh, they definitely are one of the favorites in two A. That the two A upper state. And then there was the whole thing of, I mean, Legion. They reported this because they knew if they draw had to drop those games, they would drop to the number two seed and have to go to the lower state. Um, because in that region, the number one seed goes in the upper state and everyone else goes to the lower state. That that was also brought up. And then it was also brought up that Andrew Jackson, they, Andrew Jackson and Legion had to play a one-game playoff for the region championship because they finished tied. And Andrew Jackson didn't pitch their best pitcher. I think they pitched number three or number four instead of their top pitchers. So uh, they weren't worried about winning because they knew if they lose, they, they would have went to the lower state. So, it, it was a, it's a little easier bracket. I mean, it's still tough teams, but I think uh, five of the six teams ranked in the top ten are in the upper state and still alive in the playoffs right now. Yeah, um, and then um, one one other thing that happened this week, um, or actually this happened last week, uh, was the NFHS announcing the um, the ability of of schools to now um, to now have uh, a shot clock in, in yeah they're basically letting the states be, before um, states could decide if they wanted the shot clock but if you would have a shot clock before NFS the National Federation said uh, gave its approval you wouldn't be able to vote during the basketball rules committee. I mean, there's some states that already have. I think there's nine states now. But now the the organization said basically if you want a shot clock, you can have one starting in the 2022-2023 um, season. So we'll we'll see what happens in South Carolina. I know there there was a push a couple of years ago to get it, and it was kind of shot down pretty pretty quickly. But um, I know Coach Fowler from Burns, uh, who came up with the proposal, and Coach Combs, uh, the president of the basketball association here in uh, South Carolina, they're definitely going to try it again and s- see if they can get it done. And they think it's uh, better for the game. And it would be a 35 second shot clock for both uh, boys and girls. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, it wouldn't even, I mean, like I said, it, it would kind of be phased in. It wouldn't be like, all oh, you'd have to do it one year. Maybe they would start out with tournaments, preseason tournaments, and then maybe uh, move it to certain games and then go full um, maybe a year after that. It's still a lot to work out. Uh, the biggest drawback is uh, obviously the the cost to um, get it installed and uh, having people, paying people and having people competent enough to work it, um, especially, I mean, you see what happens now sometimes with running a regular clock, but uh, we're having a shot clock yeah. and it's going to take some time and, uh, we'll see uh, what the response is uh, from the coaches. And not only the coaches, I think most basketball coaches want it. It's the athletic directors, and if they want to pay uh, to have that and see what happens. I know we're kind of in the early stages of it, but what are you hearing around the state right now about the potential of them implementing a shot clock? Are you hearing that it looks like it may be something that is approved sooner rather than later and we get it in a couple of years or is it something that may be a few years in the making? I think it's going to, it's going to take a while. 
like I said, I mean, the earliest they would pre- – they basically want to have like a forum and just uh, information meetings to try and uh, give the reasons to speak to different ADs and coaches and uh, um, th- their plan, their hopes is to – have all this and baby proved so they can put it, bring it before the athletic directors at the spring meeting next March, Mar- next March or April. Uh, that that would be the plan. And then if they would get that approved, then talk about the phasing in on how it would start to begin with and that. So, I mean, I did a survey, informal survey with uh, coaches around the Midlands. I think uh, 35 responded and uh, there's about 60% said they wanted it. Uh, some said no, some said they were unsure. So I think that's about the consensus. I think they did one, uh, like I said, a few years ago, and uh, I think it was like 70% uh, of the coaches said they wanted it. Um, like I said, I, the one thing the coaches wanted, it's just the other thing about schools wanting to pay for it. And I think hopefully maybe they could, they're talking about maybe working and maybe get some grants to have maybe some of these uh, smaller schools, uh, underfunded schools maybe that uh, they could uh, – work and help them financially with it or even there's another option if you don't have a a one right on top of the goal there's these portable ones that some colleges use that are uh, cheaper so uh, hopefully they can maybe uh, get some that way and uh, try try and get it cost feasible for uh, all the schools involved and then uh, one final question before I let you go. Will Taylor, obviously, you know, he's, right now they're focused on winning a state championship, but he's been talked about a lot more about being potentially drafted in the first round. Right now, what's the latest on what might happen with him if he is drafted in the first round and how nervous are Clemson about their, you know, not only for football but baseball as well? losing one of their top recruits well it's just not him it's uh, Bubba Chandler too who's also a quarterback and a baseball player recruit they're both projected in the first round and the latest MLB they actually have them going one right after the other 26 and 27 I would think uh, Chandler's I think his range is a little bit different I mean they had him going as high as 10 and some in the second round I I think Taylor, I spent some time with him the other night again and his parents. I think the goal is right now just, like, to focus on the season, get through it. Um, he has to report to Clemson on June 25th, and uh, his father said basically they will have an answer there one way or another by then. He's like, he's not bringing them to Clemson and then having to take them out two weeks later when they're yeah. drafted. So he'll either not go to begin with or he'll go and he'll stay and be there for three years. And then be able to be drafted in three years after that. But I would say, if I had to guess, I mean, I mean, your first round draft pick. I don't know how much higher you want to get. I mean, I guess you can be a top ten if you. But uh, especially with the money, I think it's going to be hard for him to pass up. But we'll see. Stranger things have happened. Kids have been drafted that high before and not, um, not gone uh, to the pros. Uh, they decided college, so. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens in uh, uh, these next few weeks. And I think they'll have, after the season, I know there will be plans to, um, I think he'll be going to uh, teams, hit for them in person. I mean, he's met with all 30 teams, but I think uh, he'll be flying around to uh, meet with the teams in person. And uh, there's been scouts at every game. I think there's about 10 or 12 the other night. A game earlier this year I was at, there was about 30. So definitely eyes are on him now. And, uh, 
bigger names like general man, the general managers are coming in and the club presidents are coming in to watch them now. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out this next month. Yeah, definitely interesting. And, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the money's there, but you know, we've, we've seen time, we've seen multiple times as well, though, uh, guys like Kyler Murray, like Russell Wilson, who were drafted high in the MLB draft, but decided to stay, either go to or stay in college and go foot, go the football route. So I guess it all depends upon what sport he'd rather play and where he thinks he'd be able to make the most money as well. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's one of the big stories going into the summer uh, here in South Carolina. That's for sure. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks as always for joining me, Lou. And uh, where where are you headed tonight? AC Flora in York uh, tonight. That should be a good game. And like you mentioned, I think AC Flora is the odds-on favorite in 4A now. Uh, they have been all season, but especially now, uh, looks like doesn't look like anyone's going to beat them. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, and we'll we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, Brandon. That was Lou Bejack from the state. Always, always fun talking to him. Uh, we'll try to get the. Um, hopefully, we'll have uh, the the. Uh, hopefully, we'll have the um, audio issues cleared up. Apparently, having some. not getting not getting anything uh coming back on my end so we'll we'll have to wait to see uh what what happens there uh but when when I take a break I'll I'll potentially try to get things uh situated but in the meantime let me go through a few more uh a few more notes uh for uh tonight before we or for this morning before we uh anticipate John Combs coming on. Uh, like I mentioned like we were talking about, like Lou and I were talking about, uh NFHS approved allowing shot clock addition by all states, uh leaving it up to each state to decide on whether they will implement it. Uh but he basically explained, you know, now instead of you being excluded from NFHS if you decide to put a shot clock in, like they have been in the past. Now NFHS has approved it for their member schools, and and you are still able to have a say in the overall uh, national federation. Uh, I'd love to see the shot clock get added in South Carolina. I I think it would help out the game a lot. Would make you know it would it would help the transition a lot more, especially you know, especially for players that want to get to the next level. I know that basketball isn't nearly as big in terms of college recruitment here in South Carolina as it is in football, but you know maybe this will help. And you know you have the collegiate academies. 
You have some other schools that are good, very good in basketball. Um, so you have the potential for it to help help Boone South Carolina basketball. And I think it would be a good thing for the state. I think it would be a good thing for the players. Uh, so I hope they do it. We're going to talk to uh, John Combs from the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association in a few minutes. Uh, so we'll have we'll have that coming up uh, in just a bit, and we'll get his thoughts on on where he thinks this all goes. Uh, some other news around the state: Josh Vinson was named the new Sokasi AD. Uh, so congrats to him, and he's already he's wanting to do some big things at Sokasi. Uh, one of the things he mentioned was he wants to make Sokasi's facilities among the best in the state which that's going to be a tall task because, you know, you look at some of the upstate facilities, you look at places like Dorman, you look at places like, uh, you know, uh, like Burns, you look at places like um, the Ohana, you look at some of those facilities and, you know, and it's, you know, and, and even even look at down here in the lower state, looking at some of the facilities that are opening up, coming up. You know, you look at the Florence schools. You know, uh, they're technically technically considered an upstate school, but you know, uh, in the Midlands, you look at Ridgeview. Uh, you look at you know, even on a smaller level, looking at Myrtle Beach. Uh, so. They've got some stiff competition if they want to get to that level. Uh, I, I mean, I'd love to see it. I'd love to be able to go to a top-notch facility every year. But will it happen? Not sure yet. Uh, so I will take a quick break, and then we'll come right back and uh, have uh, – John Combs from the FEBCA, come on and talk about a bunch of uh, things on the basketball court right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
some technical difficulties. Uh sorry about that folks. I guess uh I guess there is an issue uh with the connection or something. So switching over to uh apparently having some issues uh some technical issues hope uh hope everyone hasn't tuned out but uh you know but like I was mentioning uh you got uh will Morris from Lugoff Elgin uh before a all state team uh Brady Fowler from Eastside, David Mershon from Eastside, Trevor Tesserman from Catalba Ridge, Jack Reynolds from AC Flora, Blake P- 
Capella Yuck from Airport, Aiden Palmer from South Florence, Darren Horn from May River, Ben Freeman from Easley, Garrett Deal from Greer, Cooper Park from York, Corbin Wright from Airport, Philip Daniels from AC Flora, Hogan Garner from James Island, Billy Barlow from North Merrill Beach, Davis Rivers from AC Flora, Shane Coop from Drehair, Burgess Gerganis from North Merrill Beach, he's had a great season, and Josh Woody from Easley. Uh, we'll go through the rest of them in a little bit. I'll take a quick break right now, uh, and if we have some chance, if we have some time, I'll go through the rest of them. But want to get to a few other things uh, this morning. Uh, so I'll take a quick break, and we'll come back talk about some uh, national stuff. Talk about uh, talk about the NBA playoffs. Talk about the NHL playoffs. Talk about a few other things. Uh, so stay tuned right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. As we... Seeing if we can get the... Get get, get this... Get this this situated. And I think we actually got got this... uh, Got this this all set up up now. now. uh, Sorry about about the technical technical difficulties there. Uh, but looks like we got it all situated, and uh, like I mentioned, uh, over uh, some national news right now for the final hour uh, of the show. Start off with the NHL playoffs uh, that started uh, earlier this week. Starting off in the West, uh, Colorado and St. Louis. Colorado is dominating that series thus far, leading 2 nothing, and I don't think it's uh, going to change anytime soon. I think uh, Colorado has that one in the bag. Vegas leads Minnesota 2-1. I think Vegas uh, will continue to win there and will move on. Uh, Tampa Bay, or excuse me, uh, Montreal leads Toronto one nothing in that series. That People, some people were talking about how, oh, this is the first time the two have faced off against each other in a while and whatnot in, in the playoffs, and and it's nice to see both teams playing well. Well, this year, I don't know if really count that. Anyway, first off, 
they've they have played in the playoffs more recently than a lot of people remember. But also, this year's different because all of the Canadian teams are 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 together this year. So it's not like it's a situation where oh, this is a regular season and and they were able to beat you know everyone else. They only had to face fellow Canadian teams, so it, it made it a little easier for them to to get through. Uh, but Montreal leads uh, Toronto one nothing in that series. I think that's going to be a good series. I think that may go to seven. Uh, and Winnipeg leads Edmonton one nothing in their series. I think Winnipeg wins that one out. Uh, Pittsburgh leads uh, the Islanders two to one. I want to see the Islanders come back and win this series, but I have a feeling the Penguins win that one. Uh, Boston leads Washington two one. I think Boston uh, wins that series. Carolina leads uh, Nashville two nothing. I think Carolina wins that one. And Florida, or excuse me, Tampa Bay leads Florida two one. I think Flor, or I think Tampa Bay wins that one as well. Uh, but it's it's always fun seeing the Stanley Cup playoffs. Should be a fun uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, and you know, I. It, it, it's always it's always fun to see. Uh, it, it's always fun to see some good hockey, uh, and and looking forward to the remainder of uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. My my overall prediction for the Stanley Cup playoffs, I, I think you know, like I said, I think Colorado advances, Vegas advances. That's going to be an interesting series, Colorado against Vegas. Uh, I think Colorado wins that one. I I think I think Colorado uh is able to win that one, but I think that one goes seven. That's for sure. Uh, I I think Montreal beats Toronto. Winnipeg beats uh Edmonton. I think Montreal moves on in that one. Um, I'm not sure. I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, granted, things are changing, and I'm sure there's some sort of agreement in place now. But uh, you know, all the Canadian teams have been playing each other. I guess because only one team has to go down into the U.S. and they can then quarantine when they get back and whatnot. I guess that's why it works. Uh, it's I think Pittsburgh beats. New York, although I wish New York would be able uh, to come back. But I think Pittsburgh wins that one. I think Boston wins their series against Washington. And probably Pittsburgh beats Boston. Uh, Carolina's going to beat Nashville. Tampa Bay's going to beat Florida. And that's going to be an interesting series there. Tampa Bay against Carolina. Uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna go with Carolina in that one. Uh, and overall, who I think will win the Stanley Cup this year? I think probably Pittsburgh. I think it's gonna be Pittsburgh against uh against Colorado. 
Pittsburgh against Colorado, and then I think Pittsburgh will uh, win it all this year again. Uh, so there, there's my official prediction for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, we'll go through the whole thing as as we get uh, as we move along, but especially with me taking the hiatus, uh, thought I'd go through uh, through all of that. Um, go through some MLB notes real quick, uh, and then I'll finish it off with some and 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 talk some NFL. Uh, and some college, and then finish it off with NBA playoff uh, talk uh, during the last half hour. MLB news first. Uh, And let's get through the small ones first, uh, and we'll get progressively more uh, controversial here. Albert Pujols signs with the Dodgers, and first off, first off, with Albert Pujols, now I've I'm trying to remember if he has officially announced that this is going to be his last year, but everyone's kind of anticipating that this is going to be his last season. Especially with the Angels not exactly being expected to be a playoff contender this year. Why not just keep him on and let him finish his career as an Angel? I don't get it. I think that was a very bad PR move for the Angels, especially with them not exactly expected to win anything this year. Uh, But their crosstown rivals, the Dodgers, decided to do the right thing and pick up pools. And they're going to let him play out the remainder, you know, the rest of this season with them and have the send-off that he deserves. I don't care if people haven't been paying attention to him in years. I don't care if people have forgotten that he's been in the league for a few years now. He deserves a send-off based off of what he's done in the past, primarily with St. Louis. But he still deserves that send-off. So I'm glad he's getting it. Uh now to some of the more controversial or more uh, interesting topics. The A's last week announced that they're exploring relocate, relocation options after years of issues getting a new stadium in Oakland. Another proposal seemingly failing in Oakland to get a new stadium. It is on, A proposal is on the table for a new stadium, but the MLB has already suggested relocation if Pozel isn't approved. And a lot of people are anticipating that that proposal will not be approved. While they'll probably stay on the West Coast to keep the balance of East and West and not have to mess up uh, divisions and whatnot. Personally, my top option for relocation would be either Charlotte or Nashville. To give those cities, well, not directly the cities, but those states, the quadfecta. And for those of you who do not know what the quadfecta is, it is those those cities that have a major sports team, have a major league sports team, four of the major sports in the U.S., MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL. And 
in my opinion at least, and this is going to piss off a few uh, a few Pittsburgh fans. Lou, if you're still listening, I'm I'm sorry, but it's true. It's the truth. If you do not have a quadfecta, you, in my opinion, you are automatically eliminated from claims of being the best sports city in the country. So Pittsburgh needs to get a basketball team. Seattle now needs a basketball team, which is ironic. Before they needed a hockey team, now they need a basketball team. Uh, Char- like Charlotte slash North Carolina, because I know the, the Hurricanes play in Raleigh. So it doesn't really count, but Carolina, North Carolina needs a baseball team. Tennessee needs a baseball team because they have the, the Titans, they have the Predators, and they have the Grizzlies. You know, I know Grizzlies are in Memphis. Everyone else is in Nashville. Uh, there are any other cities that need just one at this point. Oh, the St. Louis now... Well, no, St. Louis before only needed a basketball team. But now they they need both football and basketball. Uh, so there are a few, you know, those are the, those are the only two cities that only need baseball teams. So I would love to see a team move to one of those cities just to give them the quad. But at this point, it looks like a lot of people are suggesting and a lot of people are proposing that the A's move to Vegas. And if the A's also move to the Sin City, then Vegas is going to be the bane of Oakland's existence. The the rivalry between the cities of Oakland and Las Vegas are going to be insane. Because first they lose the Raiders to Vegas, and if they lose the A's to Vegas as well, that's going to be interesting. Like I said, I I hope they move to either Nashville or Charlotte. But I doubt it's going to happen. And also, you have to take into consideration with the which the A's have already dealt with. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think it would work as well for the Braves as it did for the Giants when the A's tried to move to San Jose. The Giants blocked it because they said that that was their territory. But the Braves. I know, at least in their minds, they consider themselves the the baseball team of the entire South. So if the A's tried to move to either Charlotte or Nashville, and even, you know, or if another team tried to, or if they tried to expand into those cities, I can guarantee you, that the Braves would try to block it. Now, I don't think it would be successful, 
because I don't think you could have a claim on an entire region. But it would be an interesting case, that's for sure. Uh, one final MLB note that you know made headlines this week and really really showed the the what's the term I'm looking for the the dysfunction I guess in a way and the the polarization of baseball between the generations Jermaine uh, Mercedes from from the White Sox hits a home run on a three zero pitch against a position player that you know Tony, manager Tony Larusa who has you know as you know all know if you're if you follow baseball you know he's a very much old school guy he he told him to you know to look at it he you know you you know that's the that's the rule you sit on three o pitches you don't you know you 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 have the hold sign up for a three o pitch you don't swing and Larusa didn't like it uh the next night Tyler Duffy threw behind mercedes uh which got him suspended for three games, but Larusa liked it Larusa liked it and while here's the thing i'm kind of on the fence with while while i disagree with Russo's reasoning behind well not so much reasoning but here's the thing that i've always liked about baseball ba- baseball and hockey and this is why i think baseball and hockey have a lot less issues with player conduct and 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 things getting a little out of hand on the court or, or on on the playing surface. Fun hockey has this inherent understanding and everyone who knows the sport understands this. And this is why I don't necessarily have a problem with Mer- with what Mercedes did, but I also don't have a problem with what uh, Duffy did. There is an, an inherent understanding in baseball and hockey that if you break the unwritten rules, putting your you're putting your butt on the line. You understand that there is a legal and accepted retribution that will be coming to you in a physical form if you do something that that another team perceives as disrespectful. Whether it's plunking someone in baseball or the fights in hockey, you understand that, you know, and, and this would be, and and Larusa kind of said this more or less, and I agreed with him on this. But full or hockey, while yes, people will call it out in terms of tradition and all of that, which you know, okay, if you want to have that argument, we can have that argument. And in a way, I agree with it, 
but in a way, I also understand that, you know, as Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game. So, you know, if you're going to see a meatball up there, especially against a position player, if you see it hanging there, of course you're going to want to swing at it. But the thing about the unwritten rules in baseball or hockey that's a little different, and, and this is why you don't have as many unwritten rules, I, I feel, in basketball and football, because players don't have a means of which to enforce them. In baseball and hockey, if you break one of the unwritten rules and do something that is perceived to be disrespectful or, you know, dangerous or what have you, you understand, and and this would, if I were a manager of a baseball team or a a coach of a hockey team, I would say, if you want to break these unwritten rules, I'm not going to tell you not to directly. I will just forewarn you that if retribution comes, I will not defend you. And that seems to be the key, is what the problem is, you know, baseball, baseball and hockey both. And I think this is why these these unwritten rules are be, are becoming are are being brought into the forefront so much, is that the retribution is at least attempting to because of, you know, the the suspension of Duffy for for the retaliation, you know, the the punishment is be, you know, it, it's like in school. It, it's like in school. A a bully goes after someone and is trying to mess with them or something and if you finally get sick of it and punch them in the face, you're the one that gets in trouble instead of them. So it's sending a bad message, uh, you know, in that sense as well, where it's, you know, oh, you can do these things that, you know, a lot of people, you know, and, and a lot of the younger people all under I understand a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, we need to move on. We need to, you know, liven up the game and whatnot. But there needs to be a balance, I feel. And, you know, and the the fact that players were able to police themselves, it's helped the sport. So t- taking away the, the self-policing, I think, will do more harm than good. And, you know... We'll have to wait to see how things progress over the next, you know, decade or so, especially when it comes to baseball and and how things are, you know, things are quickly changing uh in baseball, but it, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm I'm like I said, I'm kind of on the fence about the the new way of the new wave of players and how they how they do things, you know, not taking 3-0 pitches and, you know, the bat flips and all of that. 
but at the same time, I think I, I'd be perfectly fine with it if players who had a more traditional sense had a means of showing that they don't like what these players are doing. And as long as that's the case, if you, as long as these players know, okay, if I do something, I may be putting myself at risk, but they do it anyway, then I have no problem with it. And if they get plunked as a result of it, so be it. That's that's my thought on the matter. But we'll see we'll see th- where things go uh, from there. Quick NFL note uh, before I take a break. Tim Tebow is back in the NFL. Who would have thought this would have happened, uh, you know, even just a few years ago? Uh, He signs with the Jaguars as a tight end. And a lot of people, you know, it's funny. It's funny. Um, You know, I, I don't like to get political on this show all that much, but it really is true. Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick are the same person, just in opposite forms. Because they're very polarizing figures. They bring a lot of media attention, and that is at least that that's the stated reason, and, and probably more than likely uh, the real reason why both of them basically got blackballed from the NFL. You know, a lot of teams, especially the teams that, you know, don't get me wrong, they were both good quarterbacks, but they weren't the traditional, like, superstar caliber quarterbacks, and and they had some issues, they had some flaws. And as a result, a lot of teams, no matter the upside to them, a lot of teams ask themselves, do we really want to put our our franchise that much in the spotlight, and do we really want to attract the circus that much for a quarterback that may or may not win us games? And that's why both of them got shunned from the league. Now, Tebow isn't coming back as a quarterback. He's coming back as a tight end. But for me... I think this is a good move because if for no other reason, if for no other reason, even if he doesn't necessarily, which he's never played tight end in his life. So that's kind of a strike against him. And yes, this is kind of a bit of a PR move by Urban Meyer. And obviously Tebow and Meyer have a connection. I think all in all, this is a good move, and here's why. For one, the worst that can happen is it it fizzles out, and you know, Urban Meyer looks like a bit of a homer and trying to help out his buddy and whatnot, and it hurts his reputation a little bit. But as long as they start winning with Trevor Lawrence, it doesn't matter. You know, if if they win with Lawrence, all is forgiven. That's the worst that can happen. And also, 
it helps the organization in terms of you know they they were gonna have the hype going into the season anyway with Trevor Lawrence, but now to bring in a home guy, you know a, a local guy that you know Jacksonville, you know they're just up the road from Gainesville, having that connection and and having that having him come in and being able to potentially sell some tickets, sell some jerseys, what have you. Great. It it helps in that level. And then if nothing else, here's the thing. If he pans out and he's able to catch and he's able to play tight end, then great. Because now, now you don't just have to use him as a gadget guy. But, so if he pans out and he's able to catch and he's able to play at the tight end, then that helps your team out immensely. And here's why. You can have him on the field as a tight end. And he's not simply a decoy. Or he's not simply there. You know, if he doesn't pan out, then you've got a bit of an issue. Because then, then if you're... If he's on the field, the team knows, okay, uh, a trick play is coming. But if he's able to catch and he's able to do what he needs to do as a regular tight end, then you can put him on the field, and in the process, you can do trick plays. You can do end-around double passes. You can do, you know, flea flickers. You can do different things with him that you can't do with a normal tight end. You know, imagine him being set up on the line of scrimmage. Lawrence calls out the play. They they do a a jet sweep with with Tebow. And but instead of running it, he decides to pass it. You know, there are so many different things that you can do with Tebow on the field as a tight end. And you know, will it work? Who knows. Maybe, maybe not the harm in trying. So, I've always been a fan of Tebow. I I, I thought he got a raw deal in Denver. Uh, you know, he looked like he could be. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't flashy. You know, um, he had some issues on the field, obviously, but he was a winner. He could win you games. So, I think with his, even with just his presence, I think there is the chance that he can win you some games. So, we'll we'll wait to see on that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, if he's able to uh, do anything. But it's definitely going to be something that, Everyone's going to be watching, that's for sure. I would love to see the Jaguars get uh, hard knocks this year, just for that. Um, I doubt we will, but hey, who knows? I, I think, if I remember correctly, I think the Jets were the hard knocks team when, when Tebow was there, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, yeah, I would love to see it. I'm I'm intri- I'm intrigued to see what happens there. I'll take a quick break, and then when I come back, we'll talk uh, NBA playoffs, playing game. 
talk about all that good stuff uh, and wrap up the show right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Hey, yo, you ready? Let's do it.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we are about half an hour away from the end of the show. And we'll switch over to the NBA right now to wrap up the show. Uh, and start off, before we talk about the uh, the playing games, uh, this was from last week. LeBron said whoever came up with the play-in tournament should be fired. Uh, probably was talking then because he's, he played, he was going to play in it. Uh, but I agree with him. I agree with him. Uh, I don't think I, even now after seeing the format and everything and, and seeing how it works, I still don't like it. Uh, and here's the thing too, you know, uh, here's the thing about it. Um, right now, as of right now, you know, not all the games have been played, obviously. You still have two two games remaining. But, or excuse me, one, one game remaining. But in three out of the four games, now, obviously, this is only the first year. You, you never know what's going to happen in a one-game play-in. Which, it's not really a one-game play-in, first off. And secondly, the seven and eight seeds get an, an, an advantage. Because the the seven team or the seven and eight team game, whoever wins that game becomes the seventh seed, and then whoever loses it gets another opportunity to make it into the playoffs. And whereas the nine and ten teams, they're just playing they're playing one game to have another chance of getting into the playoffs. So they have to win two games in order to make it into the playoffs instead of just one for the seven and eight teams. So it's setting up for the seven and eight teams to win anyway. And so far, the higher-seeded team has won every single game. Lakers beat the Warriors in a great game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and and I'll talk about the the consequences of that game, especially in just a little bit. You know, uh, Boston beat Washington, making them the seventh seed, which they would have been anyway. Washington then beats Indiana, so Washington's the eighth seed, which they would have been anyway. Probably going to beat M- Memphis uh, tonight which would make them the 8C, which they would have been anyway. So it doesn't matter if you, you know, it it wouldn't have mattered if you didn't have the playing game. The same teams would still have made it into the playoffs. So I don't like it. Um, You know, it, it, it really, you know, but... In spite of, you know, a lot of people not exactly liking it, protests from the players like LeBron, I have a feeling that the playing game is here to stay because the Lakers and Warriors game had 5.6 million viewers. And that's two of the big teams in the league. So they got lucky this year on that sense that the Lakers, because of all the injuries, struggled down the stretch and dropped down to the seventh seed. 
And the Warriors, because of no Clay Thompson, they weren't able to be as high as they should have been. But that that number, unfortunately, will probably make sure that the the playing game stays. But it really is just a gimmick. The higher seed team has won every game, like I mentioned, thus far, which makes it a moot point. And while you obviously never want to see an injury happen in the playoffs, especially to a key player, I have a feeling the only way it gets stopped now is if an injury to a superstar who played in it and that added game gets put as a reasoning for why that injury may have happened, then it may change the league's tune. That may, I have a feeling that's the only way that something happens where it doesn't change or it doesn't change and it doesn't stay next season. Uh, but before I get through, go into the full recap of each game, uh, in spite of what I'm sure a lot of people will claim, let me just say this. For those of you who are for those of you who are Memphis fans, San Antonio fans, you know, and hey, San Antonio, you you got robbed twice. You know, you got robbed last year. You got so close, but didn't make the playoffs and lost that streak. And then again this year, given that bone to try to go chase after, but then not able to succeed. Or if you're a Pacers fan or you're a Hornets fan. I don't care. Now, what I like is how they are specifically saying this is a play-in tournament and not counting it towards the playoffs, which they shouldn't. Because that's the one problem. I That's the problem I have with the wild card play-in game, how they count it as the playoffs. But I, I've said it since that got implemented a while, uh, about a, a little less than a decade ago. And I will say it about this now. If you made the play-in game, but didn't make it into the playoffs, lost in the play-in game, no, you did not make it into the playoffs. You cannot count it as a playoff appearance. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't care. Same with the wild card in baseball. Unless you actually made it into the playoffs, you are not counted as a playoff team. I, I'd say the same thing about the, the first four in the NCAA tournament. I don't count that as part. I mean, I like again, like in baseball, I know that that is technically counted as the first round of the NCAA tournament, but it's not. It's not. Those teams that lose, you didn't make it into the NCAA tournament. You didn't make it into the field of 64. So I'm just gonna. I, I just had to put that out there, uh, you know, real quick. So, like I mentioned, Lakers beat uh, Golden State uh, to move on to the seventh seed, and a lot of people, you know, I, you know, whether right or wrong, and there is some evidence to say right. A lot of people calling out uh, the the refereeing at the end of that game, trying to give the Lakers the win. 
which, especially in basketball, I will say, whether explicitly planned out or implicitly happening, there, and, and this goes for pro and college, and perhaps even going down into high school, Referees can influence games in basketball in ways that they can't as much in other sports. And as a result, if whether it's a league or an individual ref or it's just a a inherent bias towards superstars or or what have you, whatever the reasoning comes with, does seem to be you know, or at least this is my feeling that I get. Uh, and like I said, it's it may not necessarily be uh, – I don't think it's a conspiracy or anything like that. I think it's just a, a bias that results in this happening. But the more well-known teams – the superstars, individual. <clears throat> Excuse me. The superstars on an individual level, and the teams that uh, have the prestige, more often than not, get the calls and get the wins, and that's what happened. With the Lakers game. Lakers got a couple of friendly calls towards the end of the game that helped them win that game. Now, obviously, they still needed to still needed to execute the plays. I'm not saying that it's, you know, predetermined or anything like that. But there is, you know, and, and there was even, you know, Tim Donahue back in the early 2000s called it out directly, said yes. There is an implicit, you know, thing within the league that says, you know, hey, we we want the big market teams to win. And and it's going to be interesting to see if that plays a role in the Knicks-Hawks series. And, and I think – and uh, I, someone within the Hawks organization already called out that potential uh, – saying that there could be a chance for bias because the Knicks haven't been this good in a long time and the league likes having New York in in the playoffs. Now, we'll see if it happens, but, you know, the the potential is definitely there. Let me just put it that way. Uh, So with that being said, I'll go through uh, each first-round matchup and uh, let you know my thoughts on uh, who I think will win each series. Utah against, I'm assuming, Golden State. It'll either it'll be the winner of Golden State and Memphis. This is a tricky one because, you know, Utah's the number one seed. And you'd say that, oh, Utah should be the, the odds-on favorite, but Golden State with Steph Curry? You have to imagine that there there's at least a chance of Golden State winning this game. I do think Utah advances. I I think 
I think Golden State will give them a run for their money. I think it'll go seven. I'll say that much. I think this series will go seven. Uh, Lakers, or excuse me, Clippers against Dallas. This is a rematch of last year, which Clippers aren't as uh, aren't as hyped this year as they were last year. Dallas is a little older. I don't think they have the bias as much of trying to get that LALA Western Conference Finals this year as they did last year. If you remember last year, I called that series out big time because I thought the refs basically handed the Clippers that series. Uh, Dallas is there yet. I'm not sure. I think this one goes seven as well. I think I think the Clippers will blow it, but I think it's going to be another really close series. Uh, Denver and Portland. I think Denver wins uh, wins this one. Uh, and Phoenix Lakers. As long as the Lakers stay healthy, that's going to be the key throughout this entire playoff. As long as the Lakers can stay healthy, they're going to be able to beat the Suns. And it's going to be weird. You know, it's funny. For so many years, everyone has said, oh, you automatically know who's going to win the playoffs every year. You know, it's going to be one of the top two seeds, et cetera, et cetera. The the odds-on favorite in 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 the playoffs this year in the NBA is a seven seed. A seven seed. I mean, yes, yeah, this year was weird. Don't get me wrong. This year was very weird because of the fact that, you know, the the lake the the schedule was so dense. There's a lot of injuries, they've got an older team, so that's why. But still, uh Lakers uh Lakers, I still think, are the odds-on favorite uh, in this playoff. Going over to the East, Philly and Washington. I think Philly wins that one. I think they've got that one in the bag. Uh, Knicks-Hawks, I think the Knicks will be able to win their first playoff series in a long time. Uh, this, uh, This year, beating Atlanta. Milwaukee-Miami, these next two series are going to be very interesting. Milwaukee-Miami and Brooklyn-Boston. As long as the higher-seeded teams, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, are able to play the game that they are capable of playing, then they should, should, key word there is should, should be able to win this series, these series. But at the same time, one wrong move, especially on Brooklyn's side, because you don't know how healthy the big three are. They haven't played together all season, really. So you don't know what the chemistry is going to be like. One wrong move by Brooklyn, or one injury, or one whatever. One false move, and and Boston can capitalize. Now, do I think it's going to happen? 
probably not. But is there the potential for it to happening? For it to happen? Absolutely. I still don't think Brooklyn's getting to the finals. I'll say that much. I think Philly is the odds-on favorite out of the East getting into the into the finals this year. I I just think Brooklyn needs to build it, build that rapport, build that chemistry, and you're not going to be able to do it in the playoffs. I think that the chemistry is going to be the issue for Brooklyn in this playoff, and that's why they'll they'll end up losing. Uh, and that's why they'll they'll end up uh, losing at some point prior to the the end of end of the end of the playoffs, Pri- or prior to the uh, prior to the finals. I don't think they make it to the finals. Um, so th- that that's my that's my thought there. Uh, I don't- were announced. Uh, Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, I don't think there's really much of a debate here. I'm sure some people would disagree with me. Uh, but I think, you know, just look at what Stephen Curry has done this year. You know, at, uh, espe- you know, especially after Clay Thompson went down, and and you know, look at compare Golden State. You know, because this is one of the problems that I have, and and this happens in every league. MVP should be MVP, most valuable. So therefore, in my in my definition of MVP. A non-playoff team is all right, automatically eliminated. No player from a non-playoff team, no matter how good they are, can be declared the MVP. Because while, yes, they can be valuable to that team, and yes, without them, they'd be you know horrible, they'd be bottom of the barrel. If you're not able to lead your team to a, at least a playoff berth, how valuable are you really? Especially in basketball. Especially in basketball, where one man can really take over the game. So that's why I think like a lot of times like when Mike, Mike Trout would win the MVP in baseball when the Angels were terrible. Yes, I understand baseball is a much more team sport, but still. He should be able to if he's re, if he really is the most valuable player in the league, he should be able to lead his team to at least a playoff berth, no matter how bad they are. But look at Steph, look at the Warriors last year, where they were at the bottom of the league, bottom of the barrel, without Steph, and this was with Clay Thompson and with Draymond Green. The only one that was out was Steph. And now look at it this year without Clay Thompson, but with Steph Curry. They're a playoff team. That just shows right there how valuable Stephen Curry is to the Warriors. 